0: Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny, host of Blayton Homers and podcast here. Today is March 17th. Uh, in many places around the world, they're celebrating St. Patrick's Day. Uh, and college basketball fans in the United States are celebrating the release of the uh, 2019 NCAA tournament bracket. Um, lots of uh, storylines to go over here, and we do this every year. I invited uh, our good friend Matt Zemick of uh, College Basketball today. To come on and talk with us uh, a little bit about uh, you know his general thoughts on uh, the overall draw and uh, how he sees things playing out. So let's go ahead and welcome him on, Matt. How are you doing?
1: Merry Christmas, Alan.
0: Yeah, indeed, indeed. So you know, looking at this, you know, uh, it's you know we have had you know maybe three or four hours to kind of digest all this um, since the committee uh, released their uh, you know uh, the, released the draw. And, uh, you know, a lot's been made about the, um, you know, teams that were on the bubble that might have been left out. Um, I'm not, you know, enough, enough. Uh, I think, uh, oxygen has been taken up there. Let's talk a little bit maybe, though, more about the teams that actually are in this tournament. Um, looking at it, is there one team that you felt really kind of got the shaft from the committee?
1: In terms of a bubble uh, uh, exclusion?
0: No, I'm thinking more in terms of maybe how they were seated or where they were placed or, or maybe circumstances around, uh, you know, kind of, you know, their, their opening round games or draw or anything like that.
1: Uh, you know, it was clearly Michigan State. You know, you win the Big Ten tournament after winning the Big Ten regular season championship. You go 3-0 against Michigan, a two seed, and your foremost rival, and you get thrown in with Duke. and That, that is awful. And it continues, Alan, a tradition unlike any other. And this is something that Jim Nance Nance calls this event every year. So he could be in the prime position to say it. Every year, the Big Ten tournament final played late Sunday, the final game to end before the brackets are revealed. I tell you, Alan, this game result gets ignored every year. And I don't know why the Big Ten hasn't moved its tournament from a Wednesday through Sunday five-day schedule to a Tuesday through Saturday schedule. Do note that the ACC used to have a tournament final that ended on Sunday and it moved to Saturday. Guess who got, you know, three number one seeds uh, in this tournament, the ACC. So you'd think that the Big Ten would get a clue, but it hasn't, and it continues to pay the price. You know, if the committee had been able to see Michigan State win Saturday night and could, you know, think about that result and sleep on it and put it into the bracket, uh, you know, then, then that Big Ten final on Sunday afternoon wouldn't be an afterthought. But it is terrible. It, it's, it's one of the two really big bracketing errors. There's always at least one. This year there were two. There's always at least one huge bracketing error. And so putting Michigan State in Duke's region, you know, Duke's the number one overall seed. So, I mean, that, that, that essentially treats Michigan State as the weakest two. Get out of here. That was atrocious. Uh,
0: Yeah, you know, I think that uh, the the thing there, though, is that CBS will pay good money to have that game as a lead-in, I think, to its selection show. So uh, you know how those decisions are going to play out, especially when Jim Delaney's involved. Um, You mentioned two uh, bracketing errors. What was the other one you wanted to point out?
1: So Kansas, you know, did not come particularly close. Lost the Big 12 regular season by two games then got thumped pretty decisively by Iowa State in the Big 12 tournament final. So, you know, in terms of teams that should get home region placements, you know, it should be the best team in your region of the country. You know, the, the Pac-12's best team in a year when the Pac-12 is good. Like, when, you know, we've seen in the past, like Arizona and UCLA would be jostling for who gets the highest placement in the West region you know, in a, in a year when both of those programs are good. You can apply that to the Southeast. And so, like, let's, let's actually just kind of deal with that. I know I'm kind of leaping ahead, but this is a way to kind of bundle these issues together, Alan. In the South, Tennessee, by winning two out of three against Kentucky, was properly placed ahead of Kentucky because Tennessee was kept in the South and given a very uh, favorable placement in the Louisville South regional, you know, that's going to be a very short commute for the Vols. So that was a perfect example of the committee doing the right thing in terms of putting the best team in that region of the country in the SEC for, you know, giving it the, the, keeping it close to home, giving it the favorable geographical placement. So, but if you use that same principle in the big 12, well, Texas tech should have been in the Midwest, Texas tech should have been there. Uh, You could, you could even say that Kansas state should have been there. But no, Kansas goes to the Midwest, you know, stays close to home. If it can it might not get past Auburn in a possible second round game, but if it does, it gets Kansas City in the regional. That is just a fundamental bracketing error. If Kansas was, you know, typical Kansas, i.e., if it won the Big Twelve regular season or at least the tournament title, you know, okay, fine. Then you can at least make some argument that Kansas, even as a four seed might deserve to stay home. But Texas Tech was the three, the highest-seeded team in the Big 12, and Kansas State didn't win either its regular season or its tournament. Tell me, what is the valid bracketing reason for keeping Kansas in the Midwest? So that and Michigan State were the two atrocities of this bracket.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the interesting things, though, to me, like looking through here, is you mentioned the, uh, you know, Big Ten tournament final. Well, there's also there's some other ones though where I'm just not sure if they were paying attention to maybe they were more selective about uh, how the conference tournaments played out. For example, you've got uh, Villanova here as a uh, six seed. You've got uh, Marquette uh, as the as a five seed. Villanova, you know, split with Marquette in the regular season, uh, but Villanova won the uh, Big East regular season title and won the uh, Big East conference tournament. And they're uh, a line below uh, a line below the uh, Golden Eagles.
1: Yeah, there's that, and there were a few other of those two team comparisons that really make no sense. You know, Villanova being one seed behind Marquette, there's really no defensible argument for that. At the very least, they should have been on the same seed line. So, a couple other examples: um, Florida State beat Purdue head to head did better in the ACC tournament and and not only did better, but beat Virginia, a one seed. And yet Purdue was lost in the Big Ten quarters to Minnesota and still finished a seed line ahead, at least, at the very least, with all those facts I just mentioned, Purdue and Florida State should have been on the same seed line, and yet Purdue was ahead. That's one. And then another one, it also involves Florida State. Florida State swept Virginia Tech one Beat the Hokies in the regular season. Beat the Hokies in the ACC tournament, and yet they're both on the same seed line. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't know how you possibly put Florida State and Virginia Tech on the same seed line. So those, there are a number of those two team comparisons which make absolutely no sense whatsoever.
0: Right, right. Well, let's go ahead and, and break down some of these uh, regions just here to get get started. Um, we'll start off in the East. The uh, number one overall seed, the Duke Blue Devils. There, you know, they're waiting for the uh, a 16, uh, you know, team play uh, seed play-in game. But um, this one, this this side of the draw. I mean, you know, we mentioned uh, you know Michigan State, uh, kind of their their lot and the, all this. But uh, looking through here, just general thoughts on the East. Uh, I mean, do you view this as a uh, favorable draw for Duke? A tough one? What do you think?
1: Well, I think, you know, the first few rounds are not going to be – I mean, you know, the first weekend is not going to be a problem. Uh, you know, UCF has tackle fall, and that might be a, a somewhat problematic matchup, but, you know, Duke can attack him from various angles. Um, and VCU, VCU's star player got injured in the Atlantic 10 tournament, you know, is expected to play but might not be 100%. So Duke's, Duke's first weekend should be fine. But then the the, the second weekend, the regional – in Washington, D.C., Duke could play Virginia Tech with Justin Robinson. And Justin Robinson was not on the court when the Hokies upset Duke. Obviously, Zion Williamson wasn't on the court either. But the, the point of emphasis there is that both teams were without their best player and Virginia Tech won. So if you put both of their best players on the court, it's not necessarily a cakewalk for Duke. I mean, And that could be an ACC game. So Virginia Tech has familiarity with Duke, and that's going to be in Washington, D.C., so it's not as though Duke's going to have the partisan crowd in that game. There's going to be a lot of Hokie fans at that game, assuming it happens. So that's no walk in the park. And then Michigan State. Michigan State in the Elite Eight. So uh, while while Duke's talent is certainly something to trust in this tournament, it remains that Duke did not get a very uh, favorable draw, especially in the second weekend.
0: Um. Any team in here that you think is uh, looking at well, actually no, you mentioned Virginia Tech. One thing I did want to call attention to, you know, there's going to be a lot of talk about Buzz Williams and Texas A&M here for the next few days, weeks, however long. Um, we've seen in the past how that plays out, and uh, you know, it definitely can distract teams and even coaching staffs. You know, so that that would be one thing to watch out with the Hokies, I think.
1: Absolutely. And, and you have that occurring while they're going to try to reintegrate Justin Robinson into the lineup. And you know, it's, it's, it is a problem for Virginia tech that it didn't at least get Robinson one game in the ACC tournament to, to integrate and to kind of gain information. So this is going to be an adjustment on the fly. I would say then that, you know, the the first game this upcoming weekend is going to be trickier than the second game in, in many ways. Yeah. I mean, obviously Virginia tech, Virginia Tech might play a five seed uh, in, the, in the second round, and it plays a 13 in, in the first round. So you might say, well, of course, the five seed's going to be tougher. I, I actually do think that the first game contains more mystery, more uncertainty. And, if you know, assuming Virginia Tech gets through it, Robinson plays maybe like 20, 15 managed, uh, you know, and he, he learns what he can do and what what, what he has to improve on. think you'll you'll see the best of virginia tech in the round of 32 assuming it gets through the round of 64 the round of 64 really is the tricky game where all the pieces might not be fully assembled yet
0: any team that you think needs to be uh watching out there in the first round i mean obviously we just went over kind of virginia tech but anybody else any uh upsets there in the first round that you uh, keep an eye on
1: well you know the, the uh can you tell me what the 5 12 matchup is, is yeah. in that region? The 5
0: 12 in that yeah. region is Mississippi State and Liberty. They're playing in San yeah. Jose.
1: Okay. Well, yeah. So I I, like, I think, you know, in this, in, this part, in this part of the bracket, I don't foresee uh, an upset. Uh, I, there, there are 5 12 upsets to be found elsewhere in the bracket. Mississippi State uh, has gotten better once Tyson Carter, uh, backup guard, came into the lineup. He's been a much better perimeter defender. Mississippi State's defense has solidified later in the year. You know Ben Howland, Alan. I know I'm mm-hmm. I, I know that you're familiar with him. You know, he preaches defense first. And Mississippi State was not really a good defensive team until mid-February when Carter got more minutes. So that team's found a more Ben Howland-like identity. So I think that should be good enough to beat Liberty in that first round.
0: Yeah, you know, one that I have my eye on here is actually, uh, you know, depends on the winner, but Belmont and Temple – have a playing game in the 11th spot there to take on Maryland as a six seed. Maryland as a 6th seed doesn't make much sense to me. I, I don't think that that's a particularly solid team. Um, I would be looking for, you know, uh, that could, there could be some problems there for uh, the Terps. You know, Belmont is, I think, like a short favorite against Temple, 3.5 points. If they make it through, uh, that could be trouble, I think, for Maryland.
1: Certainly could. The thing about Belmont, and, you know, there are a number of teams from the mid-majors, Alan, you know, Belmont is and Wofford they, they are these cute mid-major darlings and they're the popular pick in the round of 64. Haven't broken through. You know that they, they get close, but they don't seal the deal. And so that's going to be a, a point of intrigue with uh, Belmont and also Wofford in this tournament.
0: All right. So looking at looking ahead there to uh, the the finals here. I mean, are we thinking Duke here? I mean, to me. I mean, I, I realize Michigan State accomplished a lot. I, I don't think they're on Duke's level as a team. I, I To me, I see Duke kind of breezing here.
1: Well, uh, that, that's a reasonable pick. I think the, the whole thing in a Duke-Michigan State final, which I do think will happen, Cassius Winston, you know, he mm-hmm. he is an absolute beast against Michigan. I mean, he just tore Michigan apart, ripped out their insides. He he was just a giant in this Big Ten final against Michigan, but also in the two regular season games against Michigan. I mean, if that version of Winston can be on the floor for 40 minutes, Michigan State could take Duke to the wire, no problem. But are you going to see that same version of Winston who, you know, puts on his Superman cape against Michigan, but, you know, is not relentlessly consistent against other players, other teams, especially Indiana? You know, he was terrible in both games against Indiana. So, you know, if, if, if the elite version of Winston shows up, Duke could have some problems. But you, you can't really trust whether the elite version of Cassius Winston is going to be there for 40 full minutes. So, so Duke would certainly have to have the edge. Winston has to play great. That's, that's the key for MSU.
0: All right. Let's move over to uh, another another region, the south. Another ACC team here is the one seed. Uh, That's kind of a theme, (laughs) but it's the uh, Virginia Cavaliers coming off last year's uh, first ever uh, 16-1 upset. Uh, They're the one seed here. Um, You know, this is a pretty, you know, somewhat fairly balanced region. It seems like. Uh, I mean, you know, Tennessee the two, Purdue three, Kansas State four. Um, Any any kind of general thoughts about this region?
1: Well, here's the big thing about the South. This is, you know, one of my money stats for Selection Sunday. Uh, You know, last year, the South broke wide open. You know, you had a a 5, a 7, a 9, and an 11 in the regionals, in the Sweet 16, and then you had a 9 versus an 11 in the regional final. And you had a lot of teams in that South region last year where they were not, uh, they had not made the Final Four in a long time, and so we have a, that that same basic scenario this time. So in in the South, you have Villanova as the sixth, the defending champs. You have Wisconsin as the five, and Wisconsin made uh, the, the pair of Final Fours a few years ago under Bo Ryan. Unless Villanova and Wisconsin, or one of the teams seated in the 8-11 to 11 range, unless Villanova or Wisconsin makes the Final Four out of the South, you're going to have a team that has not been – to the Final Four in a very long time, or in Tennessee's case, not ever. So Tennessee hasn't been there. And then here, here are the other, here are the the final last Final Four notes for the other uh, top seeds in, in the South. So Virginia's last Final Four was 1984. Purdue's Purdue's the three. Purdue's last Final Four was 1980. Uh, and then uh, Kansas State's last Final Four was 1964. So unless it's Villanova or Wisconsin, you're going to have a fresh face at the Final Four. And that's why I always like to say, whether in tennis, which I also cover, and college basketball, brackets shape stories. And so the bracket in the South has shaped a storyline where uh, a team that hasn't been to the Final Four in a long time, you also have Cincinnati there as the 7th. Cincinnati hasn't been to the Final Four Mm -hmm. since Nick Van Exel in 1992. So you're going to have a team – that's going to snap a a final four drought of at least 27 years, if not more than that. Virginia would be 35, Purdue would be 39, and, of course, Tennessee's never been there. Kansas State, um, 55 years. So you're going to have a long final four drought snapped, most likely, in the south region. That's very exciting.
0: Yeah, looking at it, you mentioned Wisconsin as uh, one of those teams that's been to the final four pretty frequently recently. Uh, they're the five seed here. They draw Oregon as a twelve. There, that's going to be a popular upset pick. I have a feeling.
1: It certainly will. And, and you might know, Alan, that Wisconsin and Oregon seem to always play in the NCAA tournament. That they yeah. played as a, as a, uh, they played a seven-two game. They have played a one versus eight game. They've met in all sorts of different circumstances. And so here they are again. You know, the committee has that that wicked sense of humor even though the, the committee members change from year to year, it's almost as though, okay, yeah. let's play it again. And uh, this is a situation where it, it, it's going to be a popular upset because we, we all see at least one of these games every NCAA tournament, and The team that's seated several notches higher is not the more athletic team. It's the team that's responsible and cohesive. And, you know, it just did the right things during the season. And it goes up against a lower-seeded team that, you know, didn't really mesh, didn't really click, but it wins the auto bid in the conference tournament. And you put the two teams on the court, and the team that's seated seven, eight, even nine places higher, that's not the team with the dudes. It's the, it's the double-digit seed that has the, the the jump-above-the-rim players. That's Oregon. Oregon has was just swatting shots throughout the Pac-12 tournament. And I know the Pac-12 has been terrible. It is. But uh, Oregon really has better – it has better leapers. It has better jumpers. It, it, it really has more explosive athletes than Wisconsin does. And, and given how well Oregon is playing on defense, yeah, that is a nasty matchup for Wisconsin. And it certainly looks like a game that's going to be close all the way.
0: Yeah, I believe uh, Wisconsin uh, opened I believe is a fav- small small favorite. Maybe is it around pick them It's kind of going back and forth. Oregon I get I think it's taken uh, quite a few bets early on. So that's that's an interesting one to watch. Um the defending champs Villanova, the sixth seed. This is not a vintage Villanova team by any stretch. Um but you know, they've got some experience there. They've got, you know, uh some outside shooting. Um, I get the feeling this will be another team that people might, you know, kind of pick to be one of the, if you can call the defending champ, a dark horse, one of a dark horse picks, you know, as a six seed to uh, go pretty far.
1: You know, Villanova did not get a terrible drop. I mean, you look at the three seed in Villanova's, you know, subsection of the bracket, Purdue, Purdue's a solid team, but if Carson Edwards is not shooting the ball well, Purdue struggles, you know, and so Villanova, if Jay Wright's game plan contain Carson Edwards, we win. I mean, I, uh, Villanova can really do damage against Purdue, uh, and, and so that so Villanova getting to the Sweet 16 would not surprise me one bit. And of course, Villanova was underseeded at six, so you know that Villanova might be a five uh, or even four seed quality team. I probably would have had Villanova as a five, uh, but th- the draw with Purdue, you know that, that could be basically a five four game. I kind of thought Purdue was going to mm-hmm. slide to the four line after it lost to Minnesota. So, you know, to me, the Purdue, basically a 50, 50.
0: Yeah. And they're playing in Hartford, which uh, probably favors uh, the Wildcats. So that'll be, uh, that's definitely one to watch. Um, uh, you know, I guess any, any team, uh, you know, we mentioned uh, Oregon or Wisconsin. That's, you know, seed wise, I guess that's an upset. Anything, anybody else that needs to be uh, on upset alert seems like people are really gravitating to UC Irvine for some reason.
1: Well, Irvine won 31 games, and so it's just a, it's a team that was that was very responsible. And of course, uh, you know Kansas State, D- Dean Wade's health yeah. that that you know uh, is going to be something that people will point to. But I do think that Kansas State, because it plays such consistent defense, you know, I am I must say I did not expect this kind of season from Bruce Weber. He did a heck of a job. He he got his team to buy into defense, and I mean I don't I don't recall Bruce Weber. <laughs> presiding over a team that could play defense like that i mean that so that really surprised me but i expect kansas state to play really solid defense and uh so i, I do think that kansas state will will move through this game I, I just on a broader note i just don't see a lot of uh, 15-2 14-3 upsets you know um i am I'm, I'm seeing a lot of chalk in this tournament and uh it, you know just some it, it, the bracket just falls into place in a certain way where you look at it some years and you say, oh, this is going to be pure chaos. And then other years you think, ah, it just seems like form going to hold. And, I, and I'm looking at this bracket, not just the South, but just in general as a theme, and I think that forms going to hold in most places.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I mean, like I would give a look at like Old Dominion, for example, uh, versus Purdue. Uh, but that's just more, uh, you know, I, I like the way uh, Old Dominion plays. But, you know, I mean, otherwise I, I'm kinda with you. I don't see uh, a lot kind of changing here. How do you feel this uh, this region ends up shaping up? Is is this a uh, chance for the cat, the pardon me, the Who's to uh, you know, get through and, and kind of a tone for last year?
1: I think Virginia cannot complain about its draw one bit. Think look at Virginia's draw. So and I know that, you know, you you covered the Oklahoma Sooners. I think that Ole Miss is gonna beat Oklahoma yeah, I do too. in the eight in the eight nine game. Uh, you know Kermit Davis with his Middle Tennessee years. You know he he he's cash money in the first round. So uh, you know Ole Miss is the contrast in styles. If Ole Miss gets hot, you know Ole Miss has some brilliant scorers who could create kind of a UMBC style game that might rock Virginia on its heels. But assuming Virginia gets by that, then Virginia would play either Wisconsin. I mean maybe Oregon, but you know Oregon you know just got through the Pac-12. I think Virginia could certainly handle whatever Oregon throws at it, if if that happens. But let's say Oregon doesn't beat Wisconsin, or at least doesn't get to the Sweet 16, Virginia would play either Wisconsin or Kansas State. And I mean, now first of all, that would be a rock fight. But secondly, rock you don't you don't out rock fight Virginia. You right. score on Virginia. So getting either Wisconsin or Kansas State, that's a great Sweet 16 draw. For Virginia and then so the the, the the Cavaliers should be in the elite eight uh, and I think you know Tennessee is shaping up to be their one really supreme test and and I may and may I say that if we do get a Virginia Tennessee regional final so you'll have a team that hasn't been to the final four since 1984 dealing you know trying to exercise the memory of losing as a number one seed to a 16 and then on the other side you have a Tennessee program that has never ever been to a final four so that would be A phenomenal moment, and it might actually be the most special game of the NCAA tournament, bigger than the national championship game.
0: Interesting. Okay. Okay. Let's move out west. Uh, They're playing this one. uh, uh, Pardon me. The regional finals will be in Anaheim. It seems like they're playing in Anaheim all the time. There, San Jose, I guess. Um, or or Los Angeles at Staples, yep. yeah. pretty Staples. much a three-city yeah. rotation. Yeah, I mean there there's more places out west that could go. You know, I mean maybe they've been to Albuquerque. I can't remember, but anyway, um, looking at the uh, west out here, this is a this is actually a really interesting one to me because um, I feel like it's it's pretty rough here for uh, the number one seed Gonzaga. Um, you know, looking through here, you know the two is Michigan, three Texas Tech, four Florida State. Um, you know, this is, I I think maybe to me, the most difficult region, but I'd like to get your take on it.
1: You know, here's the thing with Gonzaga and also Florida state, they met in the sweet 16 last year and Florida state was a nine, Gonzaga was a four. And so you, so Gonzaga didn't have its best team, but also that was a Florida state team that stumbled around for much of the season but then you know, was able to rally from 11 down in the second half against top-seeded Xavier and then go into the Sweet 16 with a lot of momentum. But, but just the simple fact that uh, Florida State beat Gonzaga in the Sweet 16 a year ago, that, to me, m- makes Gonzaga uh, you know, a team that's going to you know, have that game circled, assuming Gonzaga gets to that round. And, you know, Syracuse might, is a tricky opponent for Gonzaga in, in the second round. Syracuse is always tricky for teams in March. We know this. But assuming Gonzaga gets to that game against Florida State, Gonzaga is going to have so much motivation. And I know that motivate everybody's motivated in the NCAA tournament, so you might think that's kind of hollow, but just it's a memory. It's a sting, kind of like Virginia is dealing with the sting of UMBC and carrying that into this tournament saying, okay, we're going to get this right this time. So I I really think that Gonzaga is going to be helped by that dynamic against Florida State. If Gonzaga and Florida State had not played last year and Florida State had not beaten Gonzaga, I might be viewing that game very differently uh, due to Florida State's ability to rebound and and play big boy ball near the basket. But I think that just what happened last year is going to help Gonzaga this year.
0: Yeah. How about uh, on the other side? I mean, you know, Texas Tech is, uh, you know, play, has had a really strong season. Michigan, uh, you know, John Beeline in the tournament is, you know, has been money uh, his entire career. Really, um, you know, I guess, you know, what are this? I guess first of all, are there any, you know, kind of sneaky matchups here to watch in the first round? I mean, you know, Marquette Murray State looks like a lot of fun. Um, anything else you're keeping an eye on?
1: Well, I think that Murray State over Marquette is the other 12-5 upset because Marquette has not played well over the past three, four weeks, really. And another thing about Marquette is that Marquette has blown leads. It has blown second-half leads consistently. I think there was a stat. I, I'm not, I might not have the numbers exactly right, but there was a three-game sequence in which Marquette was outscored 46-9 to in the last five minutes in, in a three-game stretch. So that, that's pretty remarkable. Um, so, you know, even if Marquette leads Murray State by a modest margin midway through the second half, you have Marquette, you know, struggling to maintain the upper hand in games, and you have Ja Morant on the other side, a guy who can take over games late and relishes having the rock uh, in, in tight situations. So, to me, Murray State's a very attractive uh, upset pick. I think, you know, in terms of the first round, I don't see upsets beyond that five twelve game. But you know Syracuse against Gonzaga, in the second round, you know that that's going to be a marquee game. Syracuse always seems to flummox high-seeded opponents, no matter how good the coach is. In that first weekend, Michigan State got a taste of that last year, so you know that that game just spells potential trouble for the Zags. And I think it's you know probably going to be a two-possession game, you know like four to six points uh, when that's all said and done. I think Gonzaga, the, Gonzaga will survive it. But, but that game does scream upset potential out there in the, uh, in the West. I think you know the uh, other thing that's really notable, uh, you know Michigan is it's kind of like the Virginia versus Wisconsin or Kansas state dynamic. Michigan against Florida in a possible second round game, and then Texas Tech in the sweet 16, those are rock fights. But, you know Florida mm-hmm. is, Florida is an excellent defensive team, you know, and people might say, oh, the Florida was mediocre. Yeah, Florida was mediocre, but Florida always played really good defense. Problem with Florida is that it's three-point shooters aren't reliable. So Michigan's offense, you know, it has died in latent games, especially against Michigan State. All three times Michigan's offense has been shut down by Michigan State. Uh, so Michigan is, is shot only 25% in four of its five games ncaa tournament wins last year it shot really well against texas a&m but the other four wins on the road to the national championship game michigan shot 17 of 68 across those four games it's 25 so michigan's probably going to have those really ugly difficult offensive games michigan's going to play a series of teams i think florida's going to beat nevada michigan's going to play a series of teams that play really good defense and and that's why it's hard for me to get too optimistic about michigan's chances that offense is probably going to struggle a few more times, and the defense is just going to have very little margin for error.
0: Yeah, you know, one of the games that you pointed out, uh, Marquette and uh, Murray State that we're talking about with Marquette and their problems. I also think that uh, I, I don't think that Marcus Howard's right. There's some, he looks like I, I don't know if it's a maybe an issue with his hand or something, but uh, he's he's not he's not on his game right now. So that's another thing to keep in mind there. Um you know i look at this the more i look at it i i'm i really feel texas tech uh, has a good shot at at getting through here in the end Uh, what's your take
1: yeah i like texas tech over michigan i i think that texas tech you know texas tech lost early in the big 12 tournament and that that actually is going to keep texas tech fresher for the ncaa tournament i think that losing early will give this team a chance to regroup whereas michigan had to play a another full week at the big 10. And you might say, Oh, Michigan won the big 10 tournament last year and still did fine. Well, remember that the big 10 tournament was played a week early Mm -hmm. last year in New York. So it's not quite the same dynamic. So I think that really Michigan might play a very close game against Florida and it'll play a very close game against Texas tech. But if you keep playing close games and you keep living on the edge and you keep missing three pointers, something that Michigan has done during the season you know, the law of averages suggests that you're not going to win every close game. So I think Texas Tech is going to have an easier first weekend, and then Texas Tech will engage Michigan in a very close Sweet 16 game, and I think that just Texas Tech might have a little bit more left in the tank in that game.
0: Yeah, and Michigan's also got to play uh, pretty early in the uh, in the tournament. I think they play one of the earlier games on the first day, too, which – you know that's a that's a tough tough road, right? Really, when uh, you've gone through the Big Ten tournaments like that. So, um, how about uh, you know who who's going
1: to end up cutting down the nets in this region? So, I do have Gonzaga and Texas Tech. Uh, Texas Tech, the only non-one or two seed that I have, you know, making a regional final, and I think it's a it's a very even game. But I think this is where Texas Tech's lack of scoring outside of Jarrett Culver is going to show up. Gonzaga can score from various spots on the floor, Texas Tech not nearly as much, and I think that if, Tex- if Gonzaga can handle Florida State's muscle and size near the basket, it can handle Texas Tech's perimeter defense as well.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of leaning that way. I think that's one of the uh, tighter matchups, though, that we'll, we might end up getting there, though. I mean, I think uh, – I don't know. I'm, I'm just – I've been very impressed by Tech this year. I, I think Chris Beard is an excellent coach. So uh, I'll be, you know, interested to see how uh, he how that plays out there. So let's look at the uh, last region that we have here, Midwest. Uh, you know, they're going to be in Kansas City. North Carolina is the one seed. you got two, Kentucky. I mean, this is kind of the uh, – you know, kind of glamour group, because you got Kansas here also. Um, You know, uh, the three seed is a bit of an upstart in Houston, so uh, that's one to watch. But uh, any any kind of, like, general thoughts here on the Midwest bracket?
1: Well, the the big point of intrigue is if Kansas can get to Kansas City, you know, because that's going to just change the dynamic of that regional. And in terms of the crowd that's going to be there, in terms of who's going to be rooting for whom – uh, you know, that, that strikes me as the immediate issue. Because, you know, let's say Kansas doesn't get there. That, mean, that will give Kentucky fans a chance to really own that building at the Sprint Center in Kansas City. Uh, so, you know, it's just a lot of different component parts to that particular drama. I think that Kentucky got a great draw. I think that, you know, getting mm-hmm. Houston as the three for Kentucky as a two seed, you know, Kentucky didn't get to Louisville it wasn't kept close to home, but in exchange for not being kept close to home, not that Kansas City is a really tough commute, but still, it wasn't Louisville. Uh, but in exchange for not being kept in the South region, Kentucky was given a very fine draw that should give very few problems heading into the Elite Eight because, you know, Houston it prides itself on effort and toughness, and that's what Kentucky does. But Kentucky does all those the things Houston does better than Houston. So mm-hmm. – that's going to be a hard – you know, Houston doesn't have a Rob Gray this year. You know, Rob Gray was a magical scorer for Houston who was able to take over games. Houston doesn't have quite the same as Rob Gray. Houston has some fine, uh, you know, supporting cast style players, but I don't see a takeover level player like a Rob Gray on the Houston roster. So that that that's why I think that Kentucky is in great shape in that game because it just – it, it has all this of Houston's strengths, but just owns those strengths on a greater level.
0: Yeah, you know, looking at that, you mentioned Houston. They might have trouble getting, though, to uh, Kansas City. I mean, Iowa State uh, is playing awfully well right now, which is funny because a couple weeks back, you know, they were fighting with each other on the floor and everything, but uh, Cyclones looked awfully good in uh, Kansas City, and that sets up an interesting storyline if they're able to get back there and they have Kentucky in the uh, Sweet 16.
1: Yeah, you know that that's true. I I, I do I do think that, uh, you know, with uh, with with, with the, those middle tier teams, I, I, you know, one of the things to remember is that the strength, or you know, a, a good showing in the conference tournament doesn't necessarily carry over to the NCAA tournament. And 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 I know that this kind of thing can be hit and miss you know, from from one team to the next. But that, that's really part of the challenge of predicting this tournament. You know that certain kind of teams are going to either succeed or fail based on certain histories, but it's which one. You know, mm-hmm. that's always the thing, which one. Uh, but, in, but in this case, I think that the dynamics are, are going to work out for uh, the top two seeds in, in the Midwest region.
0: All right, so you've got uh, – oh, any any team that you think needs to be on upset alert? I mean, I, I kind of – I don't know, you mentioned teams that got hot in the conference tournament. Uh, Auburn there, you know, with uh, New Mexico State. I mean, New Mexico State won 30 games this year. That's that's a heck of a run.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, that, that to me strikes me as a coin flip game. But I do think that, you know, New Mexico State, as great as it has been, uh, New Mexico State, I don't recall the last time New Mexico State won its first round game. And I think that's another school – I recall uh, as a team that, you know, is always a popular upset pick, maybe not as popular as Belmont, but it's a team that, you know, comes close but doesn't usually win. So, you know, I can certainly see it on paper, but uh, I'm not trusting it in reality. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay, so um, you said you see this one going uh, North Carolina-Kentucky. Who do you think ends up
1: winning? Well, you know, Kentucky hammered Carolina on the glass in Chicago in late December So you might say that, oh, Carolina is going to be out for revenge and it will be out for revenge. But I think that the matchup is terrible for Carolina. I think that Kentucky plays strong perimeter defense, gets up in your chest, you know, really uh, annoys you. I say that in the best possible way. And uh, and Kentucky's length and size and Reed Travis is back in that lineup. So that's huge for Kentucky. Uh, Carolina does not have the veteran low post presence it had, you know, a few years ago when it won the title with uh, Kennedy Meeks uh, and, uh, and and I, and and Hicks in, in the low post. Carolina doesn't have that mixture. Luke May is not going to be able to to hold up against P.J. Washington. Washington's actually gotten a lot better since that meeting in Chicago. So I think that matchup really lines up well for Kentucky.
0: Yeah, you know uh, North Carolina seems to be really at their best with the uh, Roy Williams system when they have those guys you mentioned, like Kennedy Meeks, who are getting a lot, of, sucking up a lot of those offensive rebounds and, and stick backs. Uh, Carolina doesn't have as many of those guys this year, and on top of that, Kentucky's got a lot of athleticism to handle their uh, transition and everything. I, I, I I'm kind of leaning Kentucky there also, but uh, you got you know that CBS is praying for that we'll, that uh, we'll see the Tar Heels and Wildcats there in that conference final
1: or uh, regional final. Yeah. Absolutely, you, you, and I mean, but I mean, that's a blue blood heavy lineup. Uh, it's you know, if form holds the first weekend, you know that that's going to be the Jim Nance Bill Raftery game uh, mm-hmm. in, on on the uh, final. It's going to be the five o'clock Eastern game on Sunday.
0: So looking at here, you would have then you'd have Duke, Gonzaga, um, Kentucky, and uh, who was the other? You had Virginia. So how do you yeah. see that playing out?
1: So it's Midwest versus South. So that puts Virginia against Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And I think Kentucky has the size to dwarf Virginia in much the same way that Florida State did in the ACC semifinals. So I like, would like Kentucky there. And then, you know, I, I know this is a boring pick, it's not a sexy pick, but it's just, it's very, very hard to pick against Zion Williamson and a Duke team that really plays unselfishly, plays together it's not five individuals it's really a co- coherent cohesive team uh, you know so i like duke to get back at gonzaga after the maui game in which the zags won and then so kentucky and duke blue blood city in the in the national title game and you know it, it's just very very hard to pick against zion williamson and, and duke in this tournament
0: yeah i'm kind of leaning there right now you know i i you know, there's a sentimental part of me that, uh, wants to pick Virginia just because, uh, you know, I, I feel bad for the way they went out last year. And, uh, I think that they have, you know, a great coach and, you know, I mean, it's, it's an interesting, you know, kind of intellectually to watch them play because they move like a, you know, kind of one cohesive organism out there when they're playing defense. It's, it's, but, uh, you know, I just don't think. I think that if they did get matched up with Kentucky, uh, yeah, they'd have a hard time, uh, you know, keeping up with that athleticism. So, I, I that you know, when I looked at this, my initial thought was uh, Duke, Kentucky with Duke winning too. So, I wish I could, uh, you, know, uh, you know, you know, you uh, know, dissent here and make this a little bit more interesting, but I, I, I can't right now. We'll have to see how things uh, shake out after the first weekend.
1: Absolutely, and of course, you know, we're, we're, you and I are sitting here saying Duke-Kentucky, so that means that, you know, it, it, the ultimate champion its championship game is going to be, uh, you know, Texas Tech-Cincinnati, of course. Yeah, yeah, you know.
0: L- LSU in there, really throwing a wrench in things, so we, you know, something
1: Yeah, like L- LSU, LSU, and yeah, we're going to have a Final Four semifinal between LSU and Florida. Yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: All right, well, hey, Matt, thanks so much, man, so tell everybody where they can uh, find all your work.
1: So I'm at College Basketball Today. Joseph Nardone, and N-A-R-D-O-N-E, is the executive editor. You can find him on Twitter at that very Twitter handle. Uh, he's the executive editor, so I'm working for and with him. And you can find us at CBBToday.com. And CBBToday.com uh, puts that, will put, put out not just NCAA tournament written content, but we, but also podcasts. Joe has his podcast. Ben Bornstein has his show called Posting Up. And also CBBToday.com publishes the Coast to Coast College Basketball Podcast with T.J. Reeves, who is found on Twitter at Buck, B-U-C, Sideline Guy. So we have all those things going for us and more at CBBToday.com.
0: Awesome. Well, Matt, can I count on you to uh, come back with me next week after uh, the opening first two rounds and uh, we'll uh, size up how things are looking going into the Sweet 16? You got it. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Matt, man. I really appreciate it.
1: And again, to everyone, Merry Christmas.
0: Thanks again to our guest, Matt Zemek. Make sure to uh, follow him and the team over there at uh, College Basketball today. Uh, Lots of great work that they're doing all the time. Uh, So, uh, you know, everybody enjoy the games, and uh, thanks to you all for joining us too. Uh, For the Blayton Homers and Podcast, I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy.